This is Gordon Vernick with Jazz Insights. Today I would like to continue with the 1920s era jazz trombonist, in particular the greatest of the 1920s and 30s jazz trombonists, and his name is Jack Teagarden. Jack was born in 1905 in a small town in Texas, and he came from a very musical family. In fact, he started playing, I believe, the euphonium or maybe the baritone horn at a very early age. His father was an amateur trumpet player and his mother was a pianist. He got a trombone, I believe, when he was about seven or eight years old, and I don't know if you can picture what a trombone looks like, but it has a very long slide that extends out, and to reach what's called the seventh position, you have to have a rather long arm to reach that position, and young Jack couldn't reach those positions, so he basically had to teach himself how to play all these positions using what we call alternate positions, or I guess they were technically incorrect. It allowed him to get around the horn with such great flexibility, almost like he was a ballet dancer playing the instrument. In the traditional style of trombone playing, you have to reach out to that seventh position. I don't believe he ever reached out past maybe fourth or fifth position. The point is that he learned how to play the trombone in an extremely efficient manner that really was quite unique and and really he was way ahead of his time in terms of the kinds of things that he could do on the trombone at a very early age. In 1927, late 27, Jack moved to New York City. No one really knew who he was and he had an opportunity to sub on a recording session for the great trombonist Miff Mole. The orchestra was led by a man by the name of Roger Wolf Kahn. It was what we would call a Sweet or Society Big Band, and Jack Teagarden was subbing for Miff. And on this particular recording, there was a trombone solo, and Jack played this solo. And after this recording was released, he created an immense stir because of what he was able to achieve on the trombone was groundbreaking and was light years ahead of all the other trombonists, even the great Miff Mole, who at that time was technically speaking the greatest of the New York trombonists. After 1928, it was Jack Teagarden. So let's start with that very, very early recording from 1928. This is Jack's first big recording session, and the name of the song is She's a Great, Great Girl. And again, it's kind of a sweet dance band, but there is a wonderful trombone solo. So let's check out Jack's solo from 1928 recorded in New York. So you're asking yourself, what made this solo so groundbreaking? 
Well, there's a couple of things. He had tremendous flexibility, lip flexibility on the trombone. Remember, the trombone doesn't have keys or valves, so all the note changes come from this very, very strong, we call embouchure, a way the lips meet on the mouthpiece and all the muscles that surround the lips. And on the trombone, it's really important that the performer have great flexibility. Jack had unheard of flexibility. He could play quick passages and then move the slide in just maybe a few inches either way and was able to play with the kind of flexibility that you might hear from a trumpet or a clarinet or a saxophone. Remember, Miff Mole was one of the first guys who was really technically adept at playing the horn, but Jack far surpassed him. Plus, he was a great improviser. Um, he was also a very good pianist, so he had a great understanding of harmony and how the underlying structures of the music work. His articulation is very, very clear, and again, because he didn't have to put the trombone out to the seventh and sixth positions, everything was very close, so he could play very quickly with this great flexibility. Another thing that was so unique about his playing was that he played his notes slightly behind the beat, so it swings in a like a Louis Armstrong style. In fact, he and Louis Armstrong, when they first met, I believe in 1927 or 28, became lifelong friends. Jack was a very, very affable person. He was very likable, very laid back. He was also a great blues singer. It's interesting that his, you know, his background was, his family was German, but he had such a great affinity for the blues. And in his singing, which we'll hear later on, you'll hear that there's a very strong influence of the blues. So that recording, that, that was his first big splash in New York. After that, he played with a number of very important and popular groups in New York City. Probably the most famous group that he played with in 1929-1930 was led by a cornet player by the name of Red Nichols. We're going to listen to a few recordings from 1929. Let's start with a really important record. This is called Back Home Again in Indiana, recorded with Red Nichols. He plays a magnificent solo and pay particular attention to the fleet-footed flexibility. The New York bands featured some great soloists, and included in this group of musicians that were performing with Red Nichols were people like Benny Goodman, Glenn Miller, the Dorsey Brothers, Bix Beiderbecke, Frank Trumbauer, Bud Freeman on tenor saxophone. So he was surrounded with some great, great musicians. Let's check out another track from 1929 recorded with Red Nichols. This is entitled Dinah. And what's so amazing about this solo is that the tempo is rather slow, but he plays what's called double time figures, which really is a precursor of the bebop style and he does it really well and he also has a couple of pet phrases he would do this thing he would play which on a trombone is really difficult now today when you listen to contemporary jazz trombonists they can all do that you know you listen to jj johnson or frank rehack or rosalino from the 40s and 50s up to the very modern players they can all do that but back in the 20s that was unheard of so let's check out this fantastic solo on dinah 1929 
1959, he made a very famous recording entitled Knockin' a Jug. And what that refers to is having a drink after work. It was done with an integrated band, which also included the great Louis Armstrong. This is a fantastic and a groundbreaking recording from 1929, Knockin' a Jug, featuring Jack T. Garden and Louis Armstrong. like Louis Armstrong influenced all subsequent trumpet players and, and horn players and, and singers, Jack Teagarden had much of the same kind of influence on all the trombone players in New York, in fact, all jazz trombonists. He raised the bar, the expectation of trombone players was really elevated because of Teagarden's great technique and, of course, his way he could swing and his great understanding of harmony. He um, was good friends with all the musicians in New York, was very, very good friends with Jimmy Harris who we listened to in a previous show, who in the mid-1920s was a very, very important jazz trombonist in New York. He and Jimmy Harrison apparently were inseparable, and Harrison died very young in 1931, but I would say they both influenced each other. But Jack was more advanced in terms of his technical prowess and and harmonic understanding. We're going to check out one of the finest recordings he made in 1929, again with Red Nichols. This is entitled The Rose of Washington Square. singer. In fact, in the 1930s and 40s and the 50s, he, there were a number of songs that were always associated with Jack Teagarden, including songs like Basin Street Blues, Old Rockin' Chair, Stars Fell on Alabama. He had a, just a wonderful rhythmic approach to his singing, and it, with that Texas drawl that he had was really appealing. So we're going to check out a recording from 1929. We're going to hear him sing After You've Gone, and then he's going to play a trombone solo, and that same really relaxed approach to rhythm you hear in his voice, you also hear in his trombone playing. After you gone and left me crying, babe. After you gone, there's no use denying. You'll feel blue, you'll feel sad. You'll miss the dearest spouse you ever had. There'll come a time, now don't forget it. There'll come a time, babe, when you'll regret it. Someday, when you grow lonely, your heart will break like mine and you want me only. After you're gone, after you're gone away. 
Now let's listen to his trombone solo on the same recording. Again, it has that same very relaxed approach, very, very technical. It plays slightly behind the beat and really infused with the blues. I'd like to close the show with a recording from the late 1940s recorded with Louis Armstrong and the All-Stars. It's one of my favorite Jack Teagarden tracks. In fact, Louis Armstrong doesn't even play on this particular recording. It's a feature for Jack Teagarden. Louis Armstrong would often do that, let members of the All-Stars do a feature and let them play by themselves. And it is a very difficult piece to play. It has a harmony that moves quickly and it's a very unusually constructed piece and Jack Teagarden just sails through the chord changes and it's just a fantastic solo so this is jack from the late 1940s playing lover This has been Jazz Insights with Dr. Gordon Vernick. You can visit me on the web at gordonvernick.com and facebook.com slash jazzinsights. Jazz Insights is a production of WMLB AM 1690, the voice of the arts in Atlanta.